0: It's time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolos. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. All your subscriptions and past episodes are on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile. We have a Facebook group and you can email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. The pinball community got some unfortunate news before the holidays when Mark Mendeltort of Marco Pinball, Marco Specialties, passed away unexpectedly, and we've seen some lovely tributes, so I wanted to talk to some of the people that obviously knew him the best, worked with him, and even more, and joining us right now. Paul Mendeltort, we've got Marco Ramirez, and Emoto Harney, three people that are keeping the legacy alive, making sure everything that Mark wanted with Marco and his love for pinball will continue for many years to come. So I want to thank each of you. First of all, Paul, for coming on.
1: Thanks, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And hello to Marco. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much for, for allowing us to be here. Uh, my pleasure. And once again, hi, Emoto.
2: Hello, Emoto. <laughs> oh, that's me. <laughs> nice to talk to you, Jeff.
0: Always a pleasure. And I'll be seeing you soon at InDesk, won't we?
2: Yes, that's right. We're going to dominate the live streaming out there.
0: Well, going to different places is something that is important to a lot of pinball players. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting. And I know big events such as the Texas Pinball Festival, Southern Fried Gaming Expo, some major events. Just recently, Houston Expo. Boy, you see that Marco Pinball display. Marco Specialties is everywhere. And I and I keep going back and forth between Marco Pinball and Marco Specialties because it is marcospecialties.com, but I've been seeing more and more Marco Pinball. So I should probably find out, should we be referring to this as Marco Pinball or Marco Specialties? Paul?
3: We've been slowly rebranding. It's one of those projects that takes a lot longer to finish than you would expect. So <laughs> uh, we found that it's hard type specialties <laughs> into the website. So... <laughs> When Mark first started the business, he didn't know what he wanted to do. This is back in you know mid '80s, and so he's called specialties, and we kind of stumbled into the pinball world from there. So it's now clear, and we're actively working to rebrand all that and get everything updated. But it takes a long time. You update all the logos and get all the graphics updated, and and before he brought a moto on board, that project was kind of halfway done installed. So she's been finishing up a lot of that work.
0: Yes, pass it off to the director of marketing Emoto that's uh, that's on your plate for now. but Paul, you mentioned it was 1985 when Marco Specialties began. Your father, Mark, had a wonderful vision, uh, a certain passion and love for pinball players, pinball machines. And his goal was the same as it is today, to keep pinball alive. And you have done that with so many of these machines. It's amazing when you look at all these big events and tournaments and people's home collections and see these vintage pinball machines, Still going strong years after the fact because you can fix things, you can maintain them. And Marco Specialties has been such a major player in all of those aspects.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's been, uh, looking back, it's pretty incredible how far we've come since we started in the early years of, you know, so Mark used to operate a route here in South Carolina, you know, pinball machines, video games, pool tables, all over the place and one of the areas that he got frustrated with was really hard for him as a small little guy that wasn't a big operator to get parts for these games so that's what kind of started the hunt for these things and as he started building a supply chain and all these things we eventually determined oh wow there's, there's a vacuum here for actually getting parts especially to end users and at the time you know there was you know the internet didn't exist so he and actually him and mom both uh, nancy both started the business and they put together a hand printed catalog you know cutting and pasting stuff and they had me over there, Xerox and stuff, and we're mailing <laughs> out catalogs to everybody. <laughs> so it's uh, come a long way since uh, just mailing our small little customer list of a few hundred people to uh, where we are today. We're, I think last week we checked, it, had over 100,000 customers. It's kind of crazy to see how far it's come.
0: It is amazing, too, and obviously big transitions, too. In the late 90s, as the Internet became more prominent and people started shopping online, you know, Marco Specialties was there. I'm talking to Marco right now. The last couple of years, unfortunately, due to this pandemic, we're seeing more and more people shop online. But again, you've already got that base. You've already got that experience from doing this. But now, because people were either in lockdown or whatever the case may be, or really maybe wanting to get into some home gaming and a pinball machine is fun. And, oh, geez, I don't know if I want a pinball machine because what if it breaks down? What if the parts don't work? Marco Specialties is there. And able to help you in every possible aspect. And that online experience, we now 20 plus years, you know, really transitioned well into what everyone else had to do over the last couple of years. So um, it, the internet is just such a big, big part. And I can only imagine it's exploded over the last couple of years.
3: Yeah, it's funny. Like pinball in general seems to be fairly, uh, Mark always used to like to say it was recession proof. Um, we didn't even notice the 2008 crisis was happening until after the fact turns out when people get laid off and lose their jobs, they go home and work on their pinball machines. And if you look back over the history of pinball, it kind of – once the home market became a thing, which wasn't really until the 90s, like that's kind of what set it off for success down the road. So, like, you know, pinball as a whole industry is very close to not being existing right now. Stern had closed their doors in 2008. We probably wouldn't be having this discussion right now. Um, so we're, you know, pinball, like, like the game itself is sometimes got to be a little bit lucky too. <laughs> so it's pretty fascinating. Like it, it always comes back. Like video games kind of came and went and you see like other form of entertainment come and go, but pinball always comes back in a new form and we're in the middle of another renaissance of pinball. I mean, we, last week checked, there's like over 10 companies making games now. Never thought I'd be saying that, honestly. And yeah, it probably won't go back to what it was in the nineties, but in our opinion, Wall Street blew it up in the nineties anyway. they made it too big and that's one of the reasons it collapsed. But. Yeah, it's a, a resilient little art form, and it's got a little bit of magic to it. And Mark saw that, that as one of the reasons that he was so passionate about it. it, was that it wasn't just a game. It was art. It was engineering. It was a mechanical thing. It was collectible. So it kind of ticks all these boxes that in a sweet spot that most other like, – and we finally determined that pinball is not just a game. It's a media in itself. It's very unique, and that's special
0: it is you know from a collector standpoint from a competitor standpoint it's just been growing over the past few years you mentioned the different companies it's not just stern stern kept the game alive if you will when the dark times happened around 2008 but there are more people involved in pinball and it's not like these old machines are finding dumpsters they're being refurbished and could be complete play fields. It can be plastics. It could be LED kits, but they're surviving. And I love nothing more when I see a game I liked from the early 80s or 70s or whatever the case may be. And I go and play it and it's like, wow, was this new in box? And in a lot of cases, it's been refurbished many times. And I would have to think Marco Specialties has been a big part of that.
3: Yeah, I think that too. <laughs> So Mark was always big on like we had to put the logos on all the bags because he knew those would stay in the bottom of the games. So <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that's pretty smart though. That's good.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was. It's definitely one of his passions and a passion that we continue as a company to source or sometimes create, get created parts for these older games. So these older games won't find a landfill, like you said, Jeff. And you can go and play a pristine 1970s games because we found a way to get the the proper parts for it and ramps and working with other people in the community to source all of these where you can find it just on our website so it's a lot of you know we care about the new games and that's exciting that there's new games being created you know yay rush pinball looks awesome we just got that epic announcement
0: Ah! you don't have to tell a canadian
2: (laughs) i know oh
0: mine's already on order (laughs)
2: <laughs> you were excited about Led Zeppelin now, look.
0: Yeah, Jeff Rush is getting
2: all your list games.
0: <laughs> it's all good.
2: But yeah, we don't oh, want to it, see yeah. these older games that are symbols of history for all of us to disappear. So a lot of it is just working. We have a very strong procurement team and an NPI team to make sure that we can find, keep, and store parts for these games so they can last forever. It's a hefty goal, but... That's our our livelihoods.
3: <laughs> yeah, I collect them all. I mean, Imoto, uh, when you interviewed Wally back at Texas Pinball a few years ago, he really hit the nail on the head. It's like one of the magic parts is, is just the hunt for the part. So that's yeah, what you know, especially personally spent you know a bulk of his time hunting for parts. That was his favorite thing to do. Yeah, you know, we'd be in a meeting. as Mark, you know, shopping for parts, so paying attention to what we're trying to get. Done. I'd,
2: I'd get notifications at like 3 a.m. in the morning that he was adding new parts to the website. Yeah. <laughs> like he never stopped.
3: Story checks out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because Marco is such a big part of the community, is it safe to say you would get a lot of requests? Hey, do you have this? I haven't either found it on your website or I, I'm just asking in general. I'm looking for Absolutely. this machine, this part. Do you have it? And The tough thing for me imagining your business is that there are so many different parts for so many different machines and so many unique game-specific parts. Mm -hmm. It's different than saying, oh, I need a coil stop. Okay, that's easy. You can stock up on those or whatever. You know, flipper bats, got it. But specific plastics and I don't even want to say mods, but just things to, to games only. What was it? The Simpsons Pinball Party. There's this long, long flipper shaft, and I can't think of that in any other game, so that's a unique part. There's so much of this stuff, and yet Marco seems to find it.
1: Yeah. yeah. One of the things that Mark uh, really would always tell us to remember was that our customers are our uh, most important employees as well because they're the ones that are giving us the information to uh, help us find. You know, help us look for parts, right? They're saying, hey, this thing is always broken on this game or we really need this part and you guys should really go after and make look look for it and or make it for us. And it was always we call it rabbit holing. We'd always start going down this rabbit hole of like, okay, you know, how many games does this one specific part go into? And uh, Or is it a high-mortality part? That was something that uh, he used a lot. If the ball hits it, it's going to break, and we need to go and make that part. But, yeah, we use our customer base as our biggest resource for really going out and looking for game-specific parts. And then, you know, we recently added a really cool feature on our website that uh, it will allow you to sign your email up for availability on the part when it becomes available back on our website. So if we get enough people that go out there and register for a part and we see, oh my God, you know, we've got 35 people that want this particular flipper part, then we go out and we try to source it. And, you know, you have to look at things like, is there an IP restriction there? You know, do we want to make sure that we're abiding by Licensing agreements and things like that. But if it's something that we can make and we can reverse engineer, um, then we go out and we try to source it. And um, we do a lot of testing. We have a lot of games here at our studio that we test parts in. And then we also will put things out, send things out to customers and the customers test them for us as well. So it's a very, very unique cycle of how a part goes back into production and back in and stock on our website. And it's it's uh, most of that work is done really by the customer. And then, you know, we kind of finish up the idea and bring the part to life.
0: Emoto knows this because I frequent the Marco TV uh, on Twitch. I really get a kick out of that. In fact, today I was on it as well. And uh, I really learn a lot because everyone knows that I know nothing about fixing machines but i am trying to learn and you can ask questions ahead of a
3: lot of our customers (laughs) yes (laughs) you're honest
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i still i want to learn and i find these marco tv shows on twitch spectacular for that you can ask questions and get good responses good detailed responses but you were mentioning on your website you know if there are a lot of people that want this part Okay, you might outsource it and reverse engineer it. Is something like three D printing a real game changer? Is that something that helps, or is that not quite enough?
3: Yes and no. It's funny. Three D printing, by its the physics of it, lend to like it doesn't have the durability of injection molding plastics. So for things that the balls hitting, yeah, every every year or two you see something. Ah, I made these three printed drop targets, and then a year or 2 later, like, "Oops, those don't work." No, because <laughs> so they get broken. So it, 3D printing is a miracle for rapid prototyping, and I think the folks that benefit the most from 3D printing are actually the maker community, which is our new favorite segment, by the way. But um, for reproduction parts, it depends. Like if it was a cosmetic thing that the ball's not hitting, and it can be polished up, because once you 3D print the part, you still have to finish it and make it look good. So there's a lot of extra steps there. And so there's a subset of parts, yes, that we are able to source 3D print, especially Like, for any manufacturing technique, there's a sweet spot with, you know, how many do you need, how durable does it have to be, what's the finish on it. And three printing attacks a subset of those parts, but it's not a panacea for reproduction parts. So, like, you'll never see a three printed flipper bat, for example, but you'll see a lot of things like... And Marco, are you showing me here bushing?
1: No, this oh. is the uh, <laughs> oh, a
3: satellite. Yeah,
1: the, the Golden Eye satellite dish, which you know, it's it's a three D printed part because the original mold is you know it's yeah. probably destroyed or lost or. But that's a perfect example of something where three D printing will work in in the pinball environment. Yeah,
3: it's cosmetic. Yeah, so there's the tricky part is that an injection molded you know plastic tool can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Now here's the uh, calculus. Uh, you have to do is all right well there's only so many games out there and we either got to sell these things for a hundred dollars each or you know there's, a, there's there's a lot of uh a lot of math and a lot of just uh, judgment that has to go into what when to pull the trigger on what type of process for what part we're getting made and it's uh everyone's a unique project and that's why mark got really good at that after thirty five years Marco is now our expert on that but it it's an evolving art and science at the same time of stamp dent manufacturing techniques and uh, and there's other advances too like injection molding tools are getting cheaper because now you can actually sometimes three laser center the injection molding tools and so the cost on those is going down and yes yeah, so there's a lot of just things going on and thanks to the renewed interest in pinball and you know a lot of people you know, gripe about the rising prices of pinballs but one of the benefits of that is it makes it cost effective to reproduce some parts now when a game is worth more. So somebody's going to put a $500 part in a $600 game. But if your game's worth $5,000, eh, they'll you'll think about it. So that's helped keep a lot of games out of landfill, actually, these rising prices, believe it or not. So
0: I know when I see Emoto at events, Emoto, you and I and others are really fascinated by seeing all kinds of different pinball machines. When we were at the Museum of Pinball, I mean, you couldn't have asked for more machines there. Replay, Play same treasure, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah so it, it's nice to see these games, the new ones for sure, but certainly the retro ones. And you just mentioned the prices are going up and up, especially for the secondhand market. Well, I got to tell you, when I sell a game, I want to make sure, okay, is everything okay? Are the pop bumpers cracked? Okay, let's get some new ones. Can I replace the ball on World Cup Soccer 94? Oh yeah, I can. And I have with Marco and get a nice one. (laughs) It's funny. I'm getting ready to sell these games. I'm like, oh, look at how nice it looks now. Maybe I should have done this earlier. But the point is, it does really preserve these wonderful pinball machines. Imoto, you see it firsthand everywhere you go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful. Without the impact that Marco Specialties, Marco Pinball has had. And, you know, to be fair, all the other parts companies, pinball parts companies out there too, we work with them. We work with everyone. We don't have competition so to speak because we all have the same goal which is just to keep these games alive yeah so you can yeah right exactly so people can enjoy and go to places like the museum of pinball <laughs> rest in peace and uh you know the pacific pinball museum and all these other museums and places that really take care of these games and and bring back even like you know old 50s 60s woodrow games and it's a it's a group effort and it's so much appreciated that people go out of their way to preserve these things, Jeff. And that's why you are talking to me here on this side of the fence, working directly with Marco, because I just love everything that they stand for. And I want to help in that fight and keeping pinball alive for newer generations to to see. So,
0: Emoto, when I contacted you about this and certainly wanted to pay a nice tribute to Mark, you told me how much he meant to, your career and just how he's really changed a lot of things in positive ways for you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I talked to Mark every single day for the past three years and Jeff, he was so passionate about everything that he was doing and everything at pin And I just attached to it. He was like, you know, he's our mentor. You'll hear that from Marco to Marco's known him for a lot longer than I have, but you know, to me, too, is also the muse, you know, he wanted to see this happen. He wanted to have a Marco TV. How can we make this happen? And I loved helping him realize and uh, create his dreams. So it's definitely been a, a little empty gap and, you know, trying to get remotivated into this new phase of our lives together. Yeah, he was he was awesome, man. He he was such a he was just inspiring. Like when you talk to him, he would just inspire you to action, and that's the type of thing I thrive in. So I will miss that relationship a lot.
0: Yeah, we hear that in your voice for sure. And Paul, from what I've heard and what I can see, is that Mark set up Marco Specialties, Marco Pinball, up for success long after he's gone, and. It's business goes on, and the vision that he had will continue. Correct?
3: Yeah, so it's fine, Mark. We to this is always a push and pull because he always ran the business very conservatively. Um, You know, we never took out loans. We never did anything uh, too risky. You know, we always you know we always self financed everything and grew for the rainy day fund. And a little history there. You know, Mark grew up in the, in the 70s in New York City in Brooklyn, and so he's seen the world when it wasn't such a good place. You know, it was not a good time to be, uh, to be there, and so he's always been concerned about you know maintaining you know something for a rainy day. And that attitude has laid the foundation for it's one of the core values of the company is for us to you know build for the future and not just for tomorrow. So, it's uh, we're very lucky, and we and we've been doing a ton of work over the last couple of years. To get Mark's brain downloaded, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, his, you know, the database we've been building over the last 20 years, our library of pinball documentation manuals, which we think is the most complete in the world. And then the last part of that was collecting people, which was the hardest part. You know, I'll never forget when I told him that, Hey, Moto wants to work for us. He couldn't believe it. It's, yeah, you know, he loves your work at Moto. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, everyone comes like, really? Moto wants to work with us. <laughs> So the match made in heaven there, right? We both thought we were too good. Uh, the other person's too good for us, right?
0: Yeah, it's not just a moto. You've brought a lot of wonderful people to Marco in the last few years. I know Kim Martinez made the move.
2: Yay! I love Kim. Yeah, so we got much.
0: Kim now. Crystal Gemnick, uh, a fellow Canadian, uh, she made the trip. Turn- spend the
3: rest of this podcast talking yeah, about how awesome all our people you. are. Can- Go ahead. Yeah, we love Crystal. We're, we're using your studio right now. Sorry, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: we're
3: in our podcast studio. I kind of didn't tell her, so just make sure. you're yeah. on our desk. We'll
2: be fine. We're definitely building a huge yeah. a huge team of people passionate about pinball, and you know, it's it's such a fun environment to work in, Jeff. With like-minded individuals and we're just trying to make pinball even more popular than it is you know keep growing it and just keep exploring how we can you know, help funny, the, the community
3: yeah in the early years it was tough because we go around at these pinball shows and we were the first major sponsor for texas pinball festival well pinball sponsor anyway and you know we always used to look around and go, oh wait we're the only people doing this for a living <laughs> which is uh interesting position to find yourself in because you're not able to you know, do some of the things that other folks that – because a lot of people in the pinball hobby have other jobs um, that are subsidizing. And we're the ones having to actually make sure that, you know, they have a little bit of money to, to for tomorrow to buy more parts with at the end of the day. So that's always been an interesting uh, balance uh, to, between a hobby and a business. And I think we found that balance. We've been able to provide some good careers for a lot of people, which, honestly, we never imagined that 20 years ago. <laughs> So it's been pretty amazing. And that just goes to show us how amazing this community is. And we've really doubled down on the whole idea behind the community. I think it, we realized about five or ten years ago that that was the secret glue that was making all this work. Um, we realized a lot of our customers are suppliers, and a lot of the There's a lot of overlap between all of that, and it's all because of the community. And so that's why we've invested so heavily in all the pinball show circuits and going out to all these events. And, you know, we're doing 10, 15 events a year for the last 10 years. I was looking at the spreadsheet of Moto. It's been crazy how deep that list has gotten. Uh And if you show any regular marketing manager that, like, why are you spending all that money on travel? What's wrong with you people? We always stay in the Motel 6s, you know.
0: Yeah, seeing you at Texas Pinball Festival, and it's sad to think that the last one was actually three years ago, but the last one was. Feels like yesterday. It was that big monsters display. Oh, yeah. <laughs> seeing that big pyramid was something to see. Can't miss it, but it's a lot of work. When you go to the shows, how do you measure success? I'm just curious.
2: Oh, my God. Uh,
3: survival is a good one. <laughs> um, not anybody going to jail is a good one. But. <laughs> That's on my checklist too. That's so, so
0: funny.
2: I know these so, are so the, the hard questions they ask me all the time. How are you yeah. measuring the you ROI? Your the oh, smile, you? the <laughs> smile on everyone's face, Jeff, is how we measure the success. Uh, it's always about making the party even bigger. Everything's a spectacle with us. You know, we like to consider, or I do, like to consider us as like carnies We're like pinball carnies. We come in, set up, throw a big wild spectacle of events, and then pack it all up and go to the next town. You know, so if people are enjoying it and they're having a good time in that moment, to me, that's the most important ROI. You know, but we we do collect emails and 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 sell games and stuff while we're there too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, Mark, Mark and I personally had a a little contest. It was just between me and him with how uh, how good we were doing at a show the the thing was whoever lost their voice first would be the wow. person that would win <laughs> um and most of the time it was mark cuz mark he was twice as old as everybody there and, and on the team and man, he would stay there from morning till, well not morning, he was a late riser, but he would stay there late, 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 late. And Mark he did would, a lot of things, it's not mornings. So. Yeah, but he would talk to everybody. It doesn't matter if you were, if you didn't own a game or you owned a hundred pinball machines. He was always excited about speaking about pinball and 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 the knowledge base and and his little spiel that he would do 150 times you know about the industry in this heyday and and just all the fun stuff and so you know it was really exciting to see him my first time was Texas Pinball Festival and just seeing him in action and watching him engage everybody the same at the same level it, i mean i've watched him engage somebody who doesn't own any games at the same level as he did Gary Stern, you know, and that was phenomenal about Mark is he cared about pinball so much that he wanted to introduce it to everybody. And he was always excited about it, no matter who it was. I remember the first time he met my wife, he did the same thing. He was talking the spiel to her and I was like, Mark, that's, that's my wife, you know, and, (laughs) and that's Jessica. And, and uh, he starts laughing and then he's, you know, he switches his mode off, but uh, it was just hilarious to see him, uh, and fun and exciting to see him with the passion that he had uh, for the industry.
3: It's funny because if you're around the office or just you meet Mark in public in general, he's a pretty quiet guy. And so the shows is where he really open up, and yep. I think that was really rewarding yeah, was for all of us. Just- yeah exactly and
1: uh even our employees would say that right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he never talks to me at the shop but then you go to a show and he's all about it like, okay yeah but if any employee would go get a pinball machine now you're
3: mark's best friend
0: <laughs> <laughs> tell me Emoto, if the measure of success at these shows is excitement and and fun and good times please tell me some way somehow you got Mark to go to Houston Arcade Expo. Oh, we love
3: Houston. Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh, yeah, he loved he party. loved that show too. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. We yeah. we were we all went uh, a bunch uh, in the early years, and then we had a bunch of conflicts the last couple of years. But that was one of Mark's favorite shows.
2: <laughs> Such a party show! I know he like, always he made does, sure that perfect. we went to that show, even though it's a smaller one compared to some of the others. It always lived on our list because we love the Texas community down there, and they just. Boy, do they know how to have a good time.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned yeah. you've got a bunch of shows this year, probably 10 or so. I mean, uh, the calendar's filling up.
2: Yes, so we are starting off with going to Indisc. We're not doing a booth or anything like that, but I will be there helping Carl and you, Jeff, with the live stream. And Kim Martinez will come out too. I'm going to try to get her to play some, but we'll be you know, collecting emails and, and doing some surveys with tournament players trying to get more into what do y'all need from us? How can we help you on the pinball part side? So a little bit of exploration there. And then we are going to Midwest gaming classic in April, of course, Texas pinball festival at the end of March before that. It's also where we will have the twippies award ceremony live again. And then What's after that? Northwest Pinball Show will be coming up. Southern Fried Gaming Expo, of course. You know, we'll just have to see about all the other shows if they're going to come up or, you know, what, unfortunately, what this virus is going to do for us this year already. but.
0: And Southern Fried Gaming Expo is kind of almost like your backyard in a way. It's certainly close by there. So Marco, just curious, uh, a lot of our listeners want to know: Will you be defending your former Hotlanta Eating Challenge contest? <laughs> oh. at SFG.
1: No, no, I let no, him
2: retire. Okay. I let him retire.
1: <laughs> I, I, uh, the insurance company won't let him do it anymore. Yeah,
0: I. <laughs> you are the Kobayashi of <laughs> so pinball. The. Joey Chestnut, that was you.
1: No, no, no. One of the unfortunately one of the last conversations that I had with Mark was uh, the week prior to his passing. I had been out of the office for a couple of days, and I remember even calling Paul, and I never call Paul about taking time off. And uh, man, my body has really taken a toll with all that stuff. And I just thank you, Emoto, Harney. Uh, but I definitely, uh, will not be doing that ever, ever again. My wife would definitely not like it. Um, but the most importantly is like, I'm getting older and at some point in time I have to stop and I think that winning it twice uh is is good enough for me and and um you know it was it's not in the and, and it's not in the cards for me i don't think to be able to do that again but you know the, the the funny thing is the first time i did it at southern fried the first thing that mark told me when we got off the stage and i was hurting really bad and he's like we have to do this at every show and i was like oh my god no he loved it. um But I not just that last round of this last time that we did it, it was just horrible. And I don't think I can ever do that again. Retire your jersey. Yeah. (laughs) A little ceremony. Yeah.
2: Well, he he won every time he played, which has convinced us that no matter what, he would win because (laughs) this guy just doesn't give up. So we are gracefully letting him retire. And he will always be the hot pepper eating champion in our lives.
1: <laughs>
3: I'm still waiting for like the challenge throwdown to go down on Marco TV, where a challenger appears and drags him
1: out of retirement.
0: <laughs> I'll give you the challenge right now. I want to see it. I wasn't at Southern Fried. I want. Uh,
1: I think Jeff's going to challenge you.
0: <laughs> no, not no challenge.
1: The funny thing too was like uh you know the right before this first wave of COVID happened, um, the first shutdown. Craig Hassel from Fun right there at, at TPF, we were supposed oh, yeah. to do a uh, the, hot the Pacquiao hot chip challenge, and uh, it was going to be Craig, me, and I want to say maybe Jared Gwines, I think. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that exactly, but we were supposed to do something at the Marco booth, and uh, he was trying to set it up for us, and anyway – the show didn't happen, so we weren't able to do it. But he told me the last time I talked to him that he still has the chips and he's like ready for it. So <laughs> I think I want to volunteer Moto for this one. So she graciously volunteered me for the Southern Fried uh, one. Right? Yeah. But
2: yeah. it's not gonna even be spicy for you. If you can eat the hottest peppers in the world, you can eat the little yeah, Pacquiao chip I, and be fine I, and you'll win. Honestly,
1: yeah, I Moto I have trouble with like spicy sauce from Chick fil A right now, so I can't Aww. I can't do that.
0: I've opened a can of worms. I apologize. Uh, I didn't know, <laughs> I know it was such a hot topic. Uh, my goodness.
2: Sure. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll eat the chip.
0: There we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, and I'm sure other people listening, would like to know something we might not know about Mark and uh, his legacy. I'm sure you have great tales of some of the fun times there over the years at Marco Specialties.
3: So Mark was a brilliant piano player, actually. I remember growing up, he used to play a Scott Joplin tunes, like the entertainer. The Ice Cream Truck song. <sh depressing sound> so, yeah, he was a brilliant musician. He used to run a, uh, a comedy house in New York City for a little bit out of college. Uh, wow. So he, he's a little dabbler in a lot of things. Uh, videographer, he did a lot of video, Like, but when VHS for a first came out he's that guy with the camera everywhere annoying mom to hell so he's always had a passion in all these media forms over time and that's we see a lot of that coming out of the company now you know market tv and um you know that's why we encourage crystal to do the podcast and a bunch of other things like that uh he's just those always been his side passions is media in general and he's he's actually a brilliant artist at the end of the day (laughs) so
2: he's really funny and he was a great writer And so uh, he was a poet. A little Easter egg for y'all is that if you're ever looking on our website and you're reading the product descriptions and they just sound a little fun, more fun than you would have thought a description would be, then I promise you that was definitely Mark. So, for example, like our pin buddy, which is, you know, the little cup holder for the games, his description was this rugged ABS plastic beverage butler provides sip support for the seismic side effects of shivering machine slam situations from sloshing sloppy squirts of spilled soda shakes suds sangria sarsaparilla seagrams or other satiating solutions surrounding your sensational silver ball spectacle from saturating your pinball systems how much so was, fun like, does his his he have writing for that. the product i know and he's giggling he the whole is time big on
3: alliteration
2: you know and so there's so many of those uh <laughs> in our website you know we're we're leaving them there obviously yeah. they're, they're nice it's just fun. Mark
1: with a lot of content so. yeah he was really big on uh, self-sustainability, so he was all into, uh, you know, the solar side of things. And he was probably Tesla's biggest fan and probably Tesla's biggest salesman. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, I, I mean, I remember him, hopefully the FedEx people are not hearing this, but I remember him meeting a FedEx guy who was just interested in his Tesla and all of a sudden I'm outside on the phone with the customer and I see Mark in the Tesla inside the Tesla and the FedEx guy driving his Tesla down the road cuz Mark would always want someone to just take a ride in the in in the Tesla and he wanted people to buy more of these things because he saw that as 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 the future so he always thought in the macro and always was about self-sustainability our building, our warehouse, the whole thing is uh, covered in solar panels. And I remember I was like, "Mark, are you sure?" And he's like, "No, no, no, this is the future." And he was right. I mean, he he was very into all that stuff and and uh, huge fan. So much so that I remember the Monday after he passed away, uh, Tesla actually went down. Um, uh, the market share was <laughs> down. And, and I and I, I joke with Nancy. No like, way. Yeah, I swear to you, you could look it up.
2: I believe it. And,
1: and uh, anyway, that's, it Was he was all about that. And he was a gadgeteer, too. He loved his gadgets. Any little thing that would spark an interest in him, he would, and he was an expert about all this stuff, too. He read up on it, spent hours and hours on YouTube looking at videos and reviews. He was always, always, always looking at, at other markets and other resources for just different things that made life easier. And that was his thing.
0: His legacy will definitely live on for sure, and I can't thank you enough for sharing these wonderful stories. And again, check out Marco TV on Twitch, check out marcospecialties.com. Check them out at a show near you, including TPF coming up and of course Indisk. So I wanna thank each of you for being on this program. Paul, Marco and Emoto. Thank you very much.
3: We Jeff, that. thank you very much for all you do done for the community too.
0: This has been your pinball profile. You can find us at pinballprofile.com or on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jeff Teolis.